Chapter Five of the Three Midshipmen. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording done by Jules Harlock of Mississauga, Ontario, Canada. The Three Midshipmen by William Henry Giles Kingston chapter five roasting the bully the midshipmen were aroused by the cry of all hands shorten sail the boatswain's whistle had not ceased sounding along the decks before jack and murray were on their way aloft the first to the fore the other to the main top where they were stationed a heavy squall had struck the frigate and she was heeling over with her main deck ports almost in the water up they flew with the top men to their respective stations while the officer of the watch was shouting through his speaking trumpet let go topgallant halyards clew up haul down then came let fly topsail halyards clew up round in the weather braces down came the yards on the caps the sails were now bulging out and shaking in the wind out flew the active top men to the yard arms jack as he had often before done ran out to get hold of the weather earing he was hauling away on it while the men hauled the reef over to him he had already taken two outer turns with it when as he leaned back he felt himself suddenly thrown from his hold in vain he tried to clutch the earring it slipped through his fingers headlong he came down striking the leech of the sail mechanically he clutched at that probably it broke his fall in another moment he was among the foaming waters with the ship flying fast away from him murray had meantime been watching to see which mast would have its sails first reef and as he looked forward he saw jack fall from aloft he guessed that he must have struck his head when falling and that he would be senseless when he reached the water in a moment his jacket and shoes were off and down he slid like lightning by the topmast weather backstay and leaping into the water swam towards the spot where jack had fallen captain lascelles had seen the accident he was on the poop stepping back he himself let go the life-boy noting exactly the spot where the accident had occurred but not an order did he give perfectly cool he stood waiting till the sails were reefed murray meantime caught sight of jack who lay senseless on the water to the surface of which he had just risen after having once gone down from the force with which he had fallen into the sea murray dreaded lest he should again see him sink he exerted all his strength to get up to him the life buoy was not far off had there been time he would have first towed it up to jack but he was afraid if he did that he would in the meantime sink murray swam bravely on the foam as the wind swept it off the surface of the sea dashed wildly in his face but he kept his eye fixed steadily on jack's head that should he go down again he might know exactly where to dive after him 
murray under jack's instructions had been constantly practising swimming and he now very nearly equalled his master in the art his courage was as high and what he wanted in muscular strength he made up by his undaunted spirit he longed to know what had become of the frigate but he would not turn his head to look his first object was to get hold of jack and to keep his face out of the water that when animation returned he might not be suffocated with steady strokes he swam on admirably retaining his presence of mind every stroke was measured there was no hurry no bustle with murray he knew that such would only bring worse speed what an excellent example did he set of the way to attain an important object calmly eyeing it and though clearly comprehending all the difficulties and dangers which surrounded him with unswerving courage pushing towards his point keep up keep up jack he sang out but jack did not hear him the seas every moment increasing came roaring towards him while the foam dashed over his head he surmounted them all i am here jack i am here he repeated as he grasped jack by the collar and turned him over on his back so that his face might be uppermost a faint moan was all the reply roger gave it was satisfactory as it assured murray that he was alive now he looked round anxiously for the life buoy it had drifted away before the gale but then he also had the wind in his favor and he did not despair of overtaking it with one hand supporting the shipmate and with the other striking out he swam steadily on as before towards the life buoy evening was coming on darkness he knew would soon overspread the sea he knew that he knew the difficulty there might be in finding him and his companion a far more practical swimmer than he might have despaired but he did not murray did not trust his own right arm to save him he looked to help from above he knew that if it was right it would be afforded him if not he was prepared to meet his fate meantime away flew the frigate the moment the sails were reefed the captain issued the order he had been anxious to give about ship helms a lee never did the crew more strenuously exert themselves to box round the yards they knew who was overboard and the two midshipmen were favourites with all hands murray was for the calm gentlemanly officer-like way in which he spoke to the men and for the thorough knowledge of his duty he always displayed jack for his dash and bravery and good spirits and humour with which he carried out any work allotted to him they now saw that neither was murray wanting in dash and courage as the frigate was standing back towards the spot where the accident had occurred preparations were made for lowering a boat there was no hurry or confusion in this case her proper crew were called away the second lieutenant took charge of her 
some people called captain lascelles a very strict officer it is true he never overlooked a breach of discipline or carelessness of duty he used to say that a breach of discipline however trifling if allowed to pass was like a small leak which if permitted to continue would go on increasing till the ship flounders thus among other good arrangements every boat on board was kept in readiness to be lowered at a moment's notice and everybody knew exactly what to do when a boat was to be lowered captain lascelles did not allow his feelings to appear but he was intensely anxious about the faith of his two midshipmen he would have given all the worldly wealth of which he was possessed to be assured that they would be saved the thick clouds brought up by the gale increased the gathering gloom neither they nor the life buoy could be seen he had carefully noted the exact course on which the frigate had run since they went overboard so that he was able to calculate how to keep her so as to fetch back to the same spot there was also many sharp eyes on the lookout forward endeavouring with all their might to discover the lost ones in those southern latitudes darkness comes on with a rapidity unknown in lands blessed by a long twilight thus before the frigate got up to the spot where the accident had occurred the night had come down completely on the world of waters i am afraid that the poor lads must be lost said the second to the first lieutenant we ought to hear them or see something of them by this time don't say that thorn answered the first lieutenant rogers is the midshipman who took the fine on shore when the firefly was wrecked and murray though so quiet is a very gallant fellow they will do all that can be done to save themselves i should indeed be deeply grieved if they were lost there was a good deal of sea at the time running but not enough to make the lowering of a boat a matter of danger if carefully performed we'll heave the ship too and lower a couple of boats to go in search of the lads observed the captain the first lieutenant issued the necessary orders and the ship was brought up to the wind and hove to mr thorn eagerly went to lower one of the boats hemming took charge of the other their respective crews sprang into them the falls were properly tended and unhooked at the right moment and getting clear of the ship they lay ready to pull in whatever direction might be indicated here was the difficulty silence fore and aft sang out the captain does any one hear them in an instant there was a dead silence no one would have supposed that many hundred human beings were at that moment alive and awake on board the ship every one listened intently but no sound was borne to their ears even captain lascelles began to give up all hope the poor widowed mother how will she bear it he muttered and that honest country gentleman it will be sad news i shall have to send him of his son scarcely had the captain thus given expression to his feelings when a bright light burst forth amid the darkness some way to leeward a shout spontaneously arose from all on board 
they must have got hold of the life buoy they must have got hold of the life buoy was the cry hurrah hurrah the two boats dashed away with eager strokes in the direction of the light meantime murray had towed jack steadily on towards the buoy he began to feel very weary though and sometimes he thought that his strength would fail him he looked at the buoy it seemed a very long way off he felt at last that he should never be able to reach it i'll not give in while life remains he said to himself just then his hand struck against something he grasped it it was a large piece of spanish corkwood he shoved it under jack's back and rested his own left arm on it he immediately found an immense advantage from the support it afforded who sent that piece of corkwood to my aid he thought it did not come by chance the assurance that he was not deserted gave him additional confidence jack also gave further signs of returning animation where am i he at length asked in a tone of voice which showed that his senses were still confused in the middle of the mediterranean but there's a life buoy close at hand and when we get hold of it we shall be all to rights answered murray what is that you alex asked jack i remember now feeling that i was going overboard but how came you here has the ship gone down no no all right she'll be here to pick us up directly i hope then you jumped overboard to save me exclaimed jack just like you alex i knew you would do it jack lay perfectly still all the time he was talking it did not seem to occur to him that he could swim as well as his companion here we are cried murray heaven be praised i was afraid that i should scarcely be able to make out the life buoy it is getting so dark he placed jack's hand on one of the beckets and took another himself and together they climbed up and sat on the life buoy murray drew the piece of cork up alongside observing i do not like to desert the friend which has been so much service in our utmost need and to kick it away without an acknowledgment jack laughed he had now completely come to his senses i'm very much obliged to you friend cork said he i know murray what you are going to say i am indeed thankful to heaven for having thus far preserved me and to you too my dear fellow but i say can you make out the ship not a shred of her i scarcely know in what quarter to look for her well then all we shall have to do is to hang on here till daylight the weather is warm and so we shall not come to much harm if the wind goes down again and i am very certain the captain will come and look for us it may be a question whether he can find us though said murray by the by i do not think that the buoy was fired if we can find the trigger we can let it off and that will quickly show our whereabouts a bright idea answered jack hurrah i found it now blaze away old boy jack pulled the trigger as he spoke and immediately an intensely bright bluish light burst forth above their heads exhibiting their countenances to each other 
with their hair streaming lank and long over their faces giving them at the same time a very cadaverous and unearthly appearance jack in spite of their critical position burst into a fit of laughter certainly we do look as unlike two natty quarter-deck midshipmen as could well be he exclaimed never mind we have not many spectators jack and murray's coolness arose from the perfect confidence they felt that they would not be deserted while the slightest hope remained of their being found and now that they had set off the port fire they were almost as happy as if they were already safe on board they had not much longer to wait presently a hail reached them they shouted in return and soon afterwards they saw a couple of boats emerging from the darkness one took them on board the other towed the life buoy and in half an hour more than their wet clothes were off them and they were being stowed away between the blankets in the sick bay each of them sipping a pretty strong glass of brandy and water of course when the excitement was over a very considerable reaction took place and several days passed before they were allowed to return to their duty captain lascelles then sent for jack and inquired how he came to tumble overboard jack had to confess that in his zeal he had gone beyond his duty and that instead of remaining at his station in the top he had been attempting to do work which ought to have been performed by one of the top men you were wrong as you will see rogers remarked captain lascelles remember that there is a strict line of duty and that going beyond as you call it might be quite as injurious to the service as neglecting any portion of it your business was to see that the men were properly reefing the topsail by going out on the yardarm you did not do this and were thus neglecting your duty not going beyond it i have no intention of punishing you on condition that you will recollect what i have said jack promised that he would and thanked the captain for his lecture murray got as he deserved a great deal of credit for his gallantry and he was not a little delighted to receive the gold medal some time afterwards from the humane society soon after this occurrence the frigate was sent to gibraltar she there took on board several passengers for malta one was a bear which was sent as a present to the captain of the line of the battleship on the station from some consul in africa who knew that he was fond of pets another was a young gentleman going to travel in the east the captain had given him a passage as he was a relation of some brother officer who could not take him himself he had been offered and accepted a berth in the gun-room neither jack nor murray had seen him nor had they heard his name before they sailed the next morning after they had lost sight of the rock when they went on deck who should they see walking up and down with an air of no little consequence and having a pair of lilac kid gloves on his hands but bully pigeon jack and murray forgot all his bad qualities and only thought of him as an old schoolfellow so they went up to him and cordially put out their hands 
why pigeon how are you old fellow who'd have thought of seeing you here exclaimed jack pigeon drew himself up you must have made a mistake i-i-i don't remember you he answered oh but we do you very well at eagle house i'm jack roberts and here's murray we two came together you didn't leave either before us said jack oh you must remember all about it ah now i think i do replied pigeon extending the tips of his fingers there was another fellow went to sea at the same time patty something oh yes i remember ah patty adair you mean poor fellow he was lost in the onyx answered jack in a sad tone oh i remember he was always a harum scarum vagabond said pigeon in a sneering way he was a true fellow as ever stepped exclaimed jack indignantly if he were here pigeon you would not speak so of him the bully as usual was silenced it was not jack's way to cut anybody but neither he nor murray felt inclined to have any intimate conversations with their old schoolfellow still they could not help asking him about the school and the various changes which had taken place since they left well i'm glad it prospers exclaimed jack it was a first-rate jolly good school there was no humbug about it i spent many happy days there murray echoed these sentiments pigeon of course sneered and observed that though there were a good many noblemen and sons of gentlemen there were a number of sons of merchants and city people ah that is just what there should be said jack it is the very thing that keeps england so well together when the gentle-born you speak of find that the sons of city men are as gentlemanly as clever and as honourable as themselves and can play cricket or leapfrog or anything of that sort perhaps better than they do they learn to respect them and treat them as their equals ever afterwards that is one of the very things that made our school so good we used to think of fellows not for what they were but for what they did except perhaps a few miserable sneaks who carnied up to a fellow because he had a handle to his name pigeon did not respond to this sentiment because he had been noted far doing the very thing that jack reprobated jack could not help describing pigeon in the berth and the general opinion was that he deserved to be well roasted while he remained on board in other words that he should be made the common butt at which the shafts of their wits should be aimed they had plenty of opportunities of shooting the said shafts for pigeon exhibited an almost incredible amount of simplicity in all things connected with the sea i do not mean to say for one moment that they were right in playing off their jokes on pigeon i have an especial dislike to practical jokes and those i have generally seen carried out have been decidedly wrong and very senseless and stupid without a particle of wit they had not been long at sea when one night pigeon was encountered walking the deck and every now and then stopping and looking eagerly over the side 
what do you see there asked jack anything out of the common way all those sparkles what can they be exclaimed pigeon pointing to the flashes of phosphorescent light which played among the foam dashed off from the sides and which were seen in the wake of the vessel hemming came by at the moment he had taken an especial dislike to the bully those sparkles don't you know what they are i thought everybody did he observed in a tone of contempt well there are a russian fleet just gone up through the straits and every man woman and child aboard them smokes from the admiral to the admiral's baby and those are the ashes out of their pipes and off the ends of their cigars why that's nothing to what you sometimes see if we were close in their wake there would be light enough for us to see to steer by law you don't say so exclaimed pigeon i should have thought the water would have put them out not down in these latitudes it's too warm for that answered hemming gravely pigeon was seen when he went into the gun-room entering the remarks in his notebook a few days after this pigeon was walking the deck in solitary grandeur when as he passed the marine sentry at the gangway of course no notice was taken of him now he had observed that on certain occasions the sentries presented arms to the officers this he had taken into his head was in consequence not of their rank but of their being gentlemen he therefore thought that the same respect ought to be shown to him instead of complaining to the officers or to the captain when he would have been well laughed at he thought fit to take law into his own hands and walking up to the sentry soundly rated him for his want of respect and who bees you asked the sentry cocking his eye he was a wag in his way do you belong to the horse marine sir no i do not i am theosophilus pigeon and you must treat me properly or i shall report you i thought as how you had drunk many a pint of pigeon's milk when you was a baby observed the marine with perfect gravity pigeon's measure had already been very accurately taken on board by the crew fellow you are an impertinent scoundrel exclaimed pigeon what's your name mum's the word answered the marine with perfect gravity ah you think i'm not up to you do you cried pigeon glancing at the marine's musket i see it where you forgot that it was ha ha it was some time before pigeon could find the first lieutenant to make his report in the meantime the sentries had been changed i am sorry mr pigeon that you should have received any impertinence from any of the people on board said the first lieutenant kindly can you describe the man why he had a red coat and white belt etc etc i'm afraid that won't help us said the first lieutenant laughing ah oh, he thought himself very clever but i know his name i saw it on his musket it was tower exclaimed pigeon triumphantly a general laugh followed this announcement for tower is the name engraved on all government arms issued from the stores in that ancient fortress of london 
he used to find his way in the midshipman's berth and to make himself quite at home occupying the space which as hemming observed a better man might fill various devices were made to get clear of him one of the officers had a horn with which he now and then startled the silence of the decks a practice by the by rather subversive of discipline one day while pigeon was in the berth the horn was heard to sound what's that he asked hurrah the mail coach come in from sicily exclaimed jack starting up and rushing out come along it's a sight worth seeing you'll have letters by it to a certainty pigeon away rushed pigeon up on deck while jack amid the laughter of the rest of the occupants returned to the berth the captain and several of the gunroom officers were on deck when pigeon made his hasty appearance and hurriedly eagerly to the side what is the matter mr pigeon asked captain lascelles the mail from sicily the mail from sicily ejaculated pigeon has it gone am i too late to see it even the captain could not help joining in the laugh which was raised against the once dictatorial bully of little boys at school oh you have not missed it said mr thorn go down to the berth again and say that we will call you when it heaves in sight more mystified than ever pigeon returned to the berth where he was welcomed with shouts still more vehement than those which had received him on deck the place he had left was occupied and no one offered to make room for him or ask him to sit down a pretty strong proof that he was not wanted such is the deserved faith of school bullies when they get into the world and have their measures properly taken still the midshipman had not done with him quirk the monkey had remained on his good behaviour part and parcel of the crew for the sake of the men with whom he was a decided favourite any slight misdemeanours which they could not contrive to hide were generally overlooked quirk occasionally paid a visit to the midshipman's berth where he sat up at the table cracking nuts evidently under the impression as jack observed that he is one of us quirk had soon struck up a friendship with the bear who was a very tame beast and could play almost as many antics as he could only in a more sedate way wherever quirk went bruin would endeavour to follow and one day while the midshipmen were at dinner the latter led by the monkey was seen approaching the berth nuts and biscuits were held out they were easily tempted in room was made for them and they were regaled to their hearts content on all the delicacies of the season which the men could produce we'll have them again and we'll have a friend to meet them exclaimed jack a bright idea who was asked pigeon said jack and so it was settled that afternoon mr pigeon received a note written on pink scented paper to the following effect the gentleman of the midshipman's berth requests the pleasure of mr pigeon's company at dinner to meet two distinguished foreigners in every way worthy of his acquaintance and friendship 
pigeon asked the gunroom officers whether he ought to accept the invitation certainly it would be an insult if you don't was the answer they might possibly have suspected that a joke was brewing but they said nothing the dinner hour on the next day arrived the berth was kept as dark as possible and when pigeon presented himself at the door he was ushered in in due form and with unusual politeness handed to the upper end of the berth dinner cried the caterer bear in hand boy the midshipman's boy who had been standing against the door grinning from ear to ear had to decamp before the soup comes mr pigeon let me introduce our other guests signor don bruno who is on your right side and monsieur de quirquerie whom you will find on your left manners make the man and as their manners are unexceptionable i hope that you will consider them as men and treat them as men should men with due civility the screens by the side of the berth were at this instant withdrawn when pigeon beheld a bear sitting on one side of him and a monkey on the other both dressed with huge shirt collars large ties and broad ribbons across their breasts astonishment rage and fear struggled within for the mastery don't be alarmed at their looks my dear sir said hemmings there are no better behaved gentlemen on board allow me to help you to soup rogers you take care of monsieur le corquerie thompson see to don bruno this was a necessary caution for the monkeys gave signs that he was about to thrust his paw into pigeon's plate which act would have belied the assertion just made in his favor and would certainly not have been pleasant to the human guest Brune, who had a handful of hard biscuits before him to munch, was behaving himself very well. Hemming kept serving out the soup with the greatest gravity amid roars of laughter, not a little increased by Pigeon's perplexed countenance. What to do he could not decide. He felt that a joke was being played off on him, but he was too much afraid to resent it or show his indignation, and therefore he did the very best thing he could have done under the circumstances. He went on eating his soup without speaking. All might have ended well had not Quirk, not understanding fully the proprieties of the dinner-table, darted out his paw and seized a lump of potato from the soup-plate pigeon could not stand this but shoving the denied plate from him he made a dash with his spoon at quirk's face almost knocking some of his teeth down his throat the monkey retaliated and not without jack's utmost exertions could quiet be restored i will not say peace or harmony because that was out of the question i beg pardon mr pigeon we thought you might like the companionship of our foreign guests as you are supposed to have some qualities in common said hemming in a grave tone but as you do not appear to admire their society pray remove to the other side of the berth where you will be more at your ease pigeon was glad enough of an excuse to get away 
but he was puzzled to settle whether it was safer to pass the bear or the monkey at length he decided to get behind the former at that moment bruin took it into his head to lift up his huge back and catching poor pigeon between the legs he sent him right into the middle of the table with his head into the soup dish while quirk delighted at the opportunity caught hold of his heels and getting a kick sprang in revenge on the part of his body most exposed to attack which he bit till the wretched victim roared with pain and jack had by main force hauled him off hemming and murray with others as soon as their laughter would allow them dragged pigeon off the table apologizing with tears in their eyes for the mishap which had occurred pigeon's first impulse was to roar out for a basin and towel to wash off the soup from his face and when his features were made clean though earnestly pressed to come back nothing could persuade him to take his seat till bruin and quirk were removed from the berth in truth the mess was not sorry to get rid of them for to more than one sense they were somewhat unpleasant companions all things considered it was voted that pigeon had really behaved very well and the lesson he had received did him a good deal of good and while he remained on board he seemed to think very much less of himself i cannot defend the conduct of hemming or jack or any one concerned in the affair but my belief is that had pigeon not spoken disparagingly of adair whose memory jack and murray so fondly cherished the trick would not have been played malta was visited so were the ionian islands and the frigate clove through the waters of the levant a sail in sight to leeward sir said jack entering the cabin cap in hand one afternoon while the captain was at dinner what does she look like asked captain lascelles applying his table napkin to his mouth and finishing his glass of wine as a man does when he has to move in a hurry while he fumbles in his waistcoat pocket for his toothpick case the first lieutenant thinks her a heavy frigate or a line of battleship answered jack and she is not english in a moment the captain was on deck and taking an earnest look at the stranger through his telescope at that period all captains of english men-of-war had received orders to be very circumspect with regards to their conduct towards french ships for there was no doubt that france was seeking cause by which she might pick a quarrel with england the racer had now been cruising for some time and captain lascelles could not tell whether the stranger in sight might or might not prove an enemy with whom he might speedily be engaged in deadly strife the wind was from the north and the african coast a thin blue line was rising to sight in the horizon the helm was instantly put up and all sails made in chase hurrah exclaimed jack rushing into the berth and throwing up his cap there's a chance of a brush this time and no mistake the gunroom officers say that the french are certain to be at war with us by this time they are going to help mehemet ali so if the stranger is not a frenchman she is pretty certain to be an egyptian and either one or the other will do 
the information was received in the berth with general satisfaction only one person heard it with dismay that was pigeon he turned very pale what shall i do where shall i go he exclaimed i didn't come here to fight couldn't i be put on shore no but you can keep below and help the doctor where you may be of use and out of harm's way if we don't go down or blow up during the action said murray with no little disdain in the tone of his voice oh oh groaned pigeon go down or blow up oh dear End of chapter 5